0: listening to the really useful podcast this is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com i'm christian corley and joining me this week is gavin phillips and we are going to talk about supply chain and it's something we touched upon previously and later in today's show i'm going to be speaking to a gentleman from a company called geotab who uh well you'll find out what they do but he he has a bit of insight into supply chain and logistics and how all of this is affecting us you'll have seen in the news mentions of supply chain it's a term that most people didn't know 10 years ago my dad worked in logistics um he he retired about 20 25 years ago i never once heard him say the term supply chain i'm not even sure if it was used in logistics 25 years ago it certainly wasn't in my in my dad's vocabulary (laughs) <laughs> um over the dinner table um but now it's something that we're talking about it's in the news it's you know we have uh that, that huge vessel that uh, blocked the Suez canal last year with everything that happened with covid and slowing everything down and starting it up again and gavin it's um when you when did you first hear
1: the term supply chain I, god i couldn't really tell you to be honest but um it's certainly a phrase we've been hearing more and more of in the last few years, isn't it? Yeah, you can't really go uh, a day without looking at the news. If you read the news daily, or, or even if you don't really read the news daily, even if you glance at it every now and then, you're you're guaranteed to find an article bemoaning supply chain issues. Especially at this time of the year, as we run up to the Christmas holiday period, you know, there's all sorts of issues with people trying to get their hands on. God, it's anything really, isn't it? You know, the latest toys, the latest consoles, televisions, PCs, the the whole spectrum of of tech, gadgets, and and everything else in between as well. Um, I know yourself, Christian, you've just built a nice um, garden office, haven't you? But I'm guessing that even things like that have had supply chain issues. Well, I ordered it in
0: June. I thought it was July, but I checked with my wife. And she told me it was june we went to um, buy it and order it and it was built in october
1: wow see there you go so the knock-on effect of supply chain issues
0: well do you know it's
1: many many fold isn't it it
0: is and it affects everything as you say now um i've got two sides to that okay i'm going to um i just googled supply chain and just then click the news button these are the headlines or the most popular articles or whatever on that topic from the past week. We have from Bloomberg, supply chain shortages are at historic levels. Will they peak before Christmas? From Supply Chain Digital, they found a niche, haven't they? Uh, Seven week quarantine, (laughs) seven week quarantine for ship crew in China to hit supply chain. The Guardian, Asda charters cargo ship with festive items amid supply chain crisis. Sky News the same story Reuters Walmart CEO says Biden supply chain push is easing bottlenecks Daily Mail they're also talking about Asda Um, Bloomberg supply chain update fried chicken in short supply in Japan Um, (laughs) it's uh, uh,
1: worrying times in Japan yeah definitely
0: (laughs) and um, Daily Mail shortage of cartoon baby JJ dolls due to supply chain Chaos Sparks, Christmas, I imagine. It says ellipses at the end. It's a magic Christmas rush or whatever. Um, I haven't heard of baby JJ dolls, I have to say, and I have a five-year-old daughter.
1: So I'm a little bit surprised by that. She's more no, interested I, I, in Blippi. E- yeah, equally have no idea what, what that is. But it does point to, as we were saying, the wider issue of supply chain problems in that it's not affecting one single area is it it's affecting everything Everything. around the globe you know and as again as we were saying in the run-up to what's traditionally the busiest shopping time of the entire year shops are definitely struggling to get stock on the shelves but i don't know about you christian but i mean I've, i've not been into that many sort of uh big big box retailers if you will you know where you go and look at a pc or a tv or what have you but the times that i have been and done that everything does seem to be there and available so is there like a bit of a a bit of a difference between what we're reading and what we're actually seeing on the shelves do you think i don't know i mean i'm the same i i
0: mean i um, you live you live kind of near the coast don't you yeah yeah right next to it but you don't live near a port, do you
1: not one that you would consider for uh import right export the nearest one i guess would be uh plymouth but that's not sure. really particularly known for no. you know masses of import and export so no, I, I most, live, most stuff comes down in lorries
0: yeah i, I live near teesport um mm-hmm. which is an increasingly large port and is get probably getting free port status and it, then you can walk onto the beach, or not even as far as the beach, and look out to sea, and you'll see ships heading here. You'll see them heading further up the coast. I mean, they're everywhere. And I've noticed over the past few years they're getting bigger, far bigger than they ever used to be. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not because they're closer in, it's because t itself is you know, um, equipped to deal with bigger vessels. And that means more uh, more crates coming in, And there's more and more kind of uh, warehousing uh, around Teesside as well over the past few years. And I wonder if part of the reason that I haven't really seen a lot of this is because of this. I'm I'm on the doorstep, these things are coming in, there's all the warehouses and and distribution centers, and they're going straight out to places. And I mean, I don't know if that's the, the case here or not, but it's I mean, I bought a TV earlier this year, I bought it off the shelf. Uh, there was no shortage of TVs. I uh, bought a laptop last year between lockdowns, and it took a day to get from Currys to sort Currys online to the Currys store, and then I went and picked it up. So that's normal. So I'm I'm not finding myself hitting a lot of problems. The only there is some things that have affected me. Uh, there's the Evercade VS console, which was put back by two to three weeks. And um, there's a, something else I bought on Kickstarter, Oh, there's a phone that I'm waiting for on Kickstarter. Which I mean, I, my children will be old enough to run a mobile phone before that comes at this rate. <laughs> and there was probably something else on Kickstarter as well, which didn't come when it said it was going to come, back. I can't think of what it was at the moment. So maybe those kinds of things are being hit more in the soft technology world than other things. But then again, we've got the whole We've got the whole problem with the, the the chip supply chain. That's like narrow part of it that's um, slowing down the um, PlayStation Five.
1: Yeah, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, even a year, more than a year now after the release of the PlayStation Five, it's still incredibly difficult to get your hands on one. Like it's going to become one of the most sought after gifts at this time of the year, and a lot of people are actually turning now to the same uh methods of getting their hands on one as people were heavily criticizing last year you know using like online bots to try and make sure they get one when stock is in place and all those things where people were decrying the scalpers uh they're now thinking actually we should probably have a bit of that ourselves because otherwise there's no way we're going to get our hands on one, so it was, for many, it's been a case of if you can't beat them, you know, join them because with the technology on their side, you're definitely not going to beat these guys. Yeah, no, definitely not. I saw a
0: uh, PlayStation 5 uh, in the wild a few weeks, <laughs> <In the wild. laughs> uh, f- f- a few weeks ago in the Metro Centre in uh, Tyneside, and it, uh, I, was, I couldn't believe my eyes to be honest. I'm amazed the guy got out of there
1: alive. It wasn't like flanked by uh, security guards on the way to his car. No, not that I saw. He was just with his wife strolling through the metro centre with
0: his PS5 and brand new box.
1: My gosh.
0: That's brave. I think that's quite brave. Yeah, (laughs) too as well. And we'll take a moment from our usual podcast proceedings to just remind you that The Really Useful Podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. So we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts. We're hosted at Transistor.fm, so you can find us there as well. We're also on YouTube and, of course, on MakeUseOf.com. Now, however you've to The Really Useful Podcast and listen to us, It would be amazing if you could take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help us to find new listeners and take our podcast to ever greater heights. You'll find the link to our Apple Podcast page in the show notes. Thanks a lot. Now i'm joined by david savage he's from geotab and that's doesn't really tell you very much information at all so i'm going to ask david david what is geotab and what do you do there
2: Hi, christian uh, thanks for having me today so geotab is a company that's been going for 21 years um and it's focused within the telematics space so for the benefit of the the listeners on this if you think about telematics as being able to really understand the data that can come from any kind of vehicle, whether it might be a car or a a truck or um, a trailer, you know, essentially anything with four wheels, really. Um, So through our device, I'll be very brief here because I know we've got other topics to cover, but we plug a device into any kind of vehicle. And from that, we can extract data to really help fleets of all sizes. So anyone managing, you know, two vehicles up to hundreds of thousands of vehicles look at improving the performance um, of the the vehicles within their fleet, as well as looking at driver behavior to improve road safety, save money, optimization, et cetera. So that's what we do at a a very basic level.
0: Okay. Now, um, the reason we're talking today is because there is a a, a kind of a long signposted issue with the supply chain within the UK. And I, I think this is something that's reflected further afield as well. But to... Kick us off with that. What is a supply chain exactly?
2: Sure. So again, with the ethos of trying to keep this relatively simple for everyone, let's try and create a little bit of an example here. So let's say there's a knock on your door, ring at your doorbell, you answer the door and you receive a parcel. That would typically be the last stage of a supply chain. And for most people, that's all they would ever need to see or would hope to see. But actually, it extends much further than that. So let's say you take whatever item you've been delivered, let's say it's a mobile phone, for example, and you unbox it. And if you had the capability to pull out every individual component that sits within that phone and place them on a map to identify where they were sourced, you'd you'd soon realize that that phone actually had a truly worldwide footprint. And that would be all the different components that go into making that single product, whether it is electronic chips, the the glass that might sit on the screen, the, the cardboard, and the plastic that might go into the packaging. And that's just those fixed components. If you were to stretch it out further, then there's the raw materials that come in to make those components. Once you have those individual components, they then need to be put together to create that, that phone or that package. Once that's then created, then there's another step of ensuring you know, it, it gets to... Um, a different plants to be labeled up uh it would then be you know, moved to different warehouses around the world to to help with future distribution um and then ultimately that kind of last mile delivery that would see it in your hands ultimately so there are many many different steps involved um, looking at kind of the raw material impact uh, the goods into warehouses the manufacturing the outbound warehouses so you know moving it towards and ever closer to the end customer before it ultimately hands in the, the consumer so you know a single product will typically have a very global footprint
0: yeah so that movement on um, is considerable isn't it so that's the supply chain but we're, we're we're experiencing a time now where and really it's amazing it hasn't happened before where there are shortages and, and delays in the supply chain what's happening what's causing that
2: disruption Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. You know, we are seeing it much more pronounced now, yet pre-COVID, there were already those fissures, those cracks starting to show within supply chain um, for a number of factors. And COVID has really amplified that. So, you know, if you look at the North American market, for example, there were supply chain challenges there that predated COVID, you know, trade tensions, particularly being between the US and China that were escalated under, you know, former President Trump. Um, different tariffs that came into play there. And then we had the pandemic, which has hit. And whilst it hasn't necessarily created any real new challenges for supply chains, as I mentioned earlier, it's just really caused those fissures to turn into very large cracks. So it's really highlighted actually some of the, the previously seen and in some areas, unforeseen vulnerabilities that existed. Um, and of course, many, you know, that's been expedited by many challenges that were brought about by um Covid in relation to essentially society just stopping. You know so. the world stopped turning in many ways.
0: What is the impact now? What's happening? Is
2: it just things aren't getting to to the to the doorstep or is
0: the supply chain itself breaking apart in different stages?
2: Yeah, it's not just that it's not just that kind of last mile delivery, that that delivery to our places of work or home. It's much broader than that. You know, if we look at, you know, when COVID first hit in March of 2020, let's look at how that first impact was felt. So we all went into lockdown and demand for, you know, most goods flattened, reduced pretty significantly as we were all trying to figure out what the world was going to look like. Um, And then through monetary easing efforts by governments, et cetera, Uh, savings that people were gathering by not commuting to their places of work, started to see a bit of a shift in demand patterns. You know, there were increase in DIY activities, home entertainment systems, home gym equipment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And whilst that demand was being built, the world was still at a standstill. So, you know, people weren't encouraged to go into places of work. They weren't able to draw the raw materials out of the, the earth or other areas. You know, sailings, uh, using carrier ships, et cetera, were canceled. So you had all of that behemoth and all of those components that go into a, a supply chain, they all ground to a halt. And then it's taken a long time to try and get back up to speed to where we were at pre-COVID levels. And the COVID impact, as I've said, has been felt in many different areas. You've got the, the shipping impact, you've got the the human capital, so you know, people not being able to, to go into their places of work, mm-hmm. and then the shift in demand patterns, so greater increase in last mile uh, delivery for those home deliveries. You know, Many of us were reliant on websites, uh, food deliveries, pharmaceutical deliveries for such a, a long period of time. So you've seen shift in demand patterns, which have really changed the landscape quite a bit. Married up to the, the challenges that were already existing within um, supply chains pre-COVID, and then the COVID impact has really uh, blown them apart. And actually, looking at some research um, over the last few weeks or so, you know, experts in the space, of which I wouldn't count myself, are uh, indicating it could take up to 2023 for us to see a full recovery within supply chain. Now, here in the UK, there's been a bit of talk about this in the press, we've got a shortage
0: of HGV drivers, there's been this um, notice of a quote-unquote Christmas crisis. What is being done, actually, right now, what is being done to avoid or mitigate this, I should say?
2: So you're absolutely right on the the driver shortage of it. And actually that kind of trucking um, aspect as part of supply chain is one of the primary sources of container transportation. So ultimately ensuring that the cargo is unloaded at a port, et cetera. And there have been a shortage of drivers, particularly in the UK. That's obviously very close to home for us, but it's actually a worldwide challenge. So it's felt in Europe and also in uh, North America. So an interesting stat I read on the North American uh, impacts um, more recently is that there's one driver for every nine jobs at the moment. So that's a pretty big delta. So what is being done to address that? So from a kind of an economic and business standpoint, you know, uh, businesses and governments are looking to incentivize drivers to, to come on board there. So if you look at the UK standpoint, drivers are receiving bonuses to, to join firms. The, the government have made it slightly easier to, to gain the qualification, as well as freeing up some of the, the visa requirements to try and attract talent from other parts of the world. But when you've got that challenge, there's a significant delta there. And you know, looking at it from a telematics and a, a geotab perspective, where data is really key to everything we do, we see a lot of value and a positive contribution that technology could make, in not necessarily reducing or improving the driver shortage, but helping the drivers and the fleet operators with those trucks and vans, etc., operate in arguably a, a more efficient and ultimately more sustainable way. And how is that done? well things like route, op- route optimization. You know, if you look at us in kind of layman terms, we're all reliant on kind of sat now to get around route optimization can help significantly with the, the planning and distribution of deliveries. Um, for example, looking at the efficiency of the, the vehicle. So, you know, through data, you can predict when a service is going to be required when there's a fault with the vehicle, so that you're minimizing the downtime and ensuring that there's the uptime of the vehicle and the drivers, as well as being able to look at the kind of the driver behavior. Um, so making sure there's not too much of an impact on a vehicle through you know, being too aggressive on acceleration or braking. But there's also monitoring things that can go in there to make sure that, you know, a driver isn't being overworked, which is, you know, a pretty significant risk. So, you know, dash cams can make sure that a driver doesn't nod off and give them alerts, et cetera. So there's an awful lot on the technology side of it that can help to improve the productivity, the efficiency and the safety of the driver and fleet base at the moment. Um, but on in drawing new drivers into that sector, then that is very much uh, uh, an economic and um, legislative activity.
0: Do you expect there to be any movement of
2: transport within countries to rail from road? It's a good question. My view on it is not. Yet, anyway, um, certainly not for somewhere like the the UK, maybe even the, Euro- the European territories. The The landscape is just not really set up to do that. If you look at where all the depots, et cetera, are stationed, um, and I'm talking about delivery depots to receive goods and also um, uh, expedite goods on that, they're all centered around the motorway network. They're not centered around the rail network. That is slightly different in North America, uh, where obviously there's a greater land mass. um, And certainly my understanding of that territory, which is obviously slightly more limited than my understanding of the UK, is that it's better set up to be able to support that. So in my view, we're we're not equipped to do that, and it would require probably a pretty significant sea change in operational activities for organizations that wouldn't help recover the situation before that window that I've spoken around of 2023, where with the current uh, setup we we expect to to get to that recovery phase. I mean, I feel like we're ending on a bit of a downer there. 2023 isn't that far away, though, is it? It's not that far away, and you know, th- there's various articles that are out and about who are of the view that we're already in recovery phase, and you know, things are getting better, and you know, others are taking a little bit more of a maybe a cautious view on that. But, uh, you know, I, I think we all need to look at our own, our own situation as consumers and take our own read on it. You know, for the most part, looking at my own life, am I encountering disruptions on deliveries? Yeah, a few here and there, probably certainly more than pre-COVID. But there's little things, you you know, we can do as consumers and, you know, end customers uh, of larger kind of uh acquisition certainly buying in bulk can do and that's just look at larger runways you know etc to um to place those orders to help uh ease some of that disruption
0: do you mean to expect a, a longer delivery time
2: yeah exactly you know just plan for that you yeah. know as we're all coming up to that that christmas period i've certainly seen you know uh friends colleagues etc start to get a little bit concerned because they've ordered presents for their their children etc and now it's looking like it'll be pretty close to christmas and uh you know just uh, changing the buying behaviors a little bit and trying to put a little bit more of a, a planning into um, how everyone operates. Okay,
0: so uh, thanks again to David Savage, he's the associate vice president of Geotab for the UK and Ireland, and uh, his insights there into supply chain issues I think will prove this certainly to taught me a few things and i think they'll prove valuable to us going forward gavin i trust you've learned a bit listening to that so we will part company for this week's really useful podcast and we'll be back next week until then it's goodbye from us